Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians, you know, that'd be me, and uh, the two other people joining me today on the show, uh, dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. Thank you so much for watching us or listening to us today. My name is Bruce Johnson. I am joined here in the wonderful state of South Dakota with my good friend Joseph Lassiter. Hello. We are also joined by my brother Jacob Johnson back in Pennsylvania. Hello. So... We're all here and in our usual seats, normal spots. So, you know, it's good to be back, back to normal. <clears throat> Go to trdshow.net, which is uh, actually our show website. If you haven't heard of it before, trdshow.net is where you can find a list of links to all sorts of other places. You can find our content. Uh, and by the way, most of them are censorship free, which is fantastic because we were censored on YouTube. <clears throat> so avoid the censorship. Go to Rumble, go to Gab TV, go to Odyssey. Follow us on all the places that don't like communism and uh, don't support the communist regime. You can email at us. Email the show at trdshow at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Today is our literature, Literature Wednesday, Literature of the Month. We're going through God and Government, Volume 2 by Gary Damar. This week, we read Chapter 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. My throat is sticky today. Um, chapter 10 is actually the last chapter in this book, volume two. So very sad. We're moving on to a new book, which is the exciting part of it. That's not the sad part. The sad part is that we're done with this book. It's been a fun two months, but, uh, it's time to move on to our next book, which will be starting next week. So if you would like to find that book ahead of time, we're going to post it on our Gab page sometime this week. So Definitely, if you aren't following us on Gab already. Oh, also our Getter page. I don't talk about Getter very often, but I post just as much on Getter as I do on Gab. Um, and I have a personal account on Getter and on Gab as well. So, you know, if you want to follow my personal account, I post a lot of personal things on there as well. So I'd love for you to do that. Joe, Joe and Jake, I think, also have personal accounts on Getter. And uh, I'm not sure about Gab, but, you know, check us out on there. We've got, we've got cool stuff we post. Uh, Jake, not so much. He doesn't post a lot, but... I post. And I don't post at all. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'm the only one posting then. Um, Mr. Social Media Man. I know. Well, it's all like, um, I follow a lot of like, there's some pastors on Gab. There's the Fight Left Feast Network. There's Steve Day Show. There's a lot of really cool political and, and um, uh, uh, biblical type pages. So I'm hearing that's more my social positives media. on social media from <laughs> yeah. you, Bruce. Might have to have another discussion soon about Man. that, Joe. <laughs> A uh, very specific type of social media, though. Um, but before we get into our book this week, we have to talk about the verse of the week. And I'm going to pass it on over to Jacob to do just that. Take it away, Jake. Alrighty. So the verse this week can be found in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, which says, There is one God, the Father, who from whom all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. All right. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a lot more about that on, on uh, our Monday episode, you know, from whom are all things, right? There's one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom, for whom we exist. That's that's important. We're going to be talking a lot more about that on our Friday episode. So stay tuned for that. Look out for our Friday episode. It's going to be really, really cool discussion this week. And then also one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So um, very important to uh, remember that as an absolute 
truth. You know, we talk about the absolute self-evidencing, inerrant word of God as our ultimate standard. Well, where did that come from? One God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom, for whom are all things and for whom we exist, right? So if you missed our Monday episode where we broke that verse down a little bit more, definitely go back and check that out. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a really good verse to mention this week. All right, let's move into, excuse me, still got a sticky throat. Hopefully it'll go away. (laughs) It's not COVID, right? It's not, well, I don't know. I got vitamin D, so I'm good. Did you see Robert Malone put out an article this week? He's, he literally has uh, uh, studies now that show that you can treat and effectively cure COVID-19 with vitamin D, mm-hmm. guys. Vitamin D now. I'm just like, from aspirin to ivermectin to hydroxychloroquine, from zinc to vitamin D to vitamin C. To, there's so many ways to treat this thing. And anyone who says we need a jab to do this is just either lying on purpose or they're just ignorant of the facts. All right. Anywho, had to get that in because that study was kind of crazy. All right. Let me set up this chapter a little bit. I wrote a little bit of a paragraph. I, I, we haven't done this in a while, but this chapter I think was really good. It's the last one, you know, last chapter before we move on to our next book. So I'm going to set this up a little bit. So as Christians, we should be seeking to bring all areas of life into submission to Christ and the word of God. Poverty is no exception to this rule. Gary DeMar titled this chapter, The Conquest of Poverty, which I believe is named with two purposes in mind. First, the understanding that poverty is something Christians should be seeking to conquer in a God-honoring society. And secondly, that in following biblical principles for constructing our society, we have incredible opportunities to practically eliminate poverty in our country. So hopefully that kind of sets up our conversation for today, guys. Are you you getting excited? You getting pumped about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, I mean, conquering poverty is a really interesting discussion and hearing what the Bible says about this poverty laws is absolutely insane. So let's kick it right off. Structuring economics with the Bible as the foundation. I'm going to read a quote from page 395 and I'd love to get all three or all three. I keep saying that both of your thoughts on this. (laughs) Um, So this is from page 395. Gary DeMar said, the individual who possesses wealth and fails to follow laws governing the use of wealth is sinning. In the same way, the poor man who fails to abide by the laws that govern his impoverished condition is in rebellion against God. So any thoughts from, from you guys on that quote? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> Take it away, Joe. Um, well, I'm trying to remember exactly what you were saying. Um, yeah, the individual who possesses wealth, fails to follow laws governing the use of wealth, is sinning. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to agree with that statement and because it kind of is our duty and our job to mm-hmm. help and assist those who are in need. Mm. I know uh, here's a verse that I personally have thought of that comes similar to that um is acts 240 um they were showing a lot of people just um selling their stuff and and becoming more part of a church Hmm. and, and trying to help each other with with different um financial needs and you know oh i think uh jake i think that was the verse we actually talked about um last week Mm. on the uh on the show Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to find it again uh but it 
reminded me, and yes, y'all can smack me with a spiritual two by four if you want to, to. But when I was reading that passage, it really reminded me, and, and this chapter, we need to be a communistic country. And when I say communist, it's a little c, not a big c. Little c means for Christ, big c is big government. Did you just make that up? Actually, no. That's crazy. What? What? Because, well, with a communistic <laughs> or socialistic viewpoint it's everybody sharing everything and in a sense and and that's why i say little c not big c big c is big government little c is we christ-centered and everybody Mm. is sharing what they need you know that's that's a really great way of kind of segueing since Uh we do have a lot to talk about i'm going to keep it moving but i think that's a really great way of uh segueing into what we um kind of want to talk about which Mm -hmm. is yeah there's there's right ways and there's wrong ways of uh uh uh, sharing Mm -hmm. uh, helping the poor which is i think what you're driving at with that little Mm -hmm. c communism which i disagree with the term but i I get what you're saying in the (laughs) sense right there are right and wrong ways of doing that Mm -hmm. from a biblical perspective and uh, you know there's a quote from page 397 that says deuteronomy 28 informs us that obedience or disobedience to the covenant promises has certain inevitable economic results. Obedience brings about economic blessing and disobedience results in economic curses. And, you know, we were talking about um, uh, Raymond Simmons' book, Confessional County, all through, I think, January and February of this year. And, confess, you know, talking about curses, talking about blessings, all of that on a nation. Following God's laws for poverty and structuring our society will bring about blessings, disobeying those laws brings about curses and those are very realistic things that we can see very visibly um you know another quote that i think talks about this rather well is from page 397 where gary demar says it's not enough to teach people sound economic principles cultures are packing are packaged deals in order to change a culture so prosperity can prevail that culture's religion and law structure must change a future orientation must be developed The biblical presentation of history is linear, not a series of recurring historical cycles. The Christian should be a future-oriented person. They should be future-oriented enough to consider his grandchildren when he makes economic decisions. And he quotes uh, Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 through 8. So that last bit, Christians should be future-oriented enough to consider his grandchildren when he makes economic decisions. I think is really, really important, right? We're thinking about the future. We're thinking about the vision, long-term goal of where is this all going, right? Which is ultimately all of society is under Christ. All of society, every tongue will confess, right? Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. That was our verse from last week, right? So I think that that's really important. So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Why should our economic structure match the Bible? What do you guys think is the core reason why that is true? Why should our economic structure match the Bible? Because the Bible is a grid work. I mean, everything should fall under biblical principles. Mm. And yeah. God has set out um, outlines for us and how we're supposed to have uh, our economic structured. And yeah. therefore, without it, um, you know, it, and, and we, we've seen examples of how when people and Gary DeMar was bringing this up, even, um, pragmatism, right. Without, mm. without 
God's yeah. word, we, we resort to pragmatism. And and we're just we and we, we keep doing that and again as Gary DeMar brought up as well, we looked at Germany, mm. right, and their economic downfall. Yep. And and we see we see there that it, it doesn't work out. And and we should know from the beginning, not not <laughs> only just taking it as oh, when when you try other things it doesn't work out. So therefore, we have to go to the Bible. No, our first, <laughs> our first, very first premise should be: we go to the Bible for everything. Yeah, yeah. No matter, no matter how <clears throat> anything else works out, the Bible will ultimately work out better mm. in the end. Yeah, and and that's a really good point, and um, I really like that. I really like that perspective that ultimately God is our creator, and I mean our verse this week. Um, you know, going through you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, there's one God, the Father, for whom are all things and for whom we exist, right? We exist to glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? So with that in mind, that is totally true, Jake, what you're, what you're stating there, stipulating there. Um, one thing that Gary DeMar said, he had a really interesting take on this, and I was like, yes, totally agree. This is, this is cutting right to the core of it uh, as a quote from page 396 uh, Gary DeMar said God established a law in Israel <clears throat> that would be a beacon to the nations and then he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 6 through 8 which says so keep and do the statutes and judgments for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear these statutes and say this is the important part Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it, as is the Lord our God, whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and, and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? End quote. So the idea of the perfect wisdom, righteousness, and, and justice of God's law poverty is no exception to this. <clears throat> what this does when we implement his law as our law in our nation is it shines a light on our country. Our nation will shine as a beacon to the nations around us. And they start to ask, wow, what God do they worship? What, where did they get this wisdom? Where do they get these statutes, these judgments, all of this righteousness? Where do, where do they get this from? That's exactly the position where we are then to give a reason for that, for the hope, right? We're given a reason for that. Well, here's the God we worship. You should worship him too, not just for the economic benefits, while that will come with it, if you're truly worshiping God as your nation, but because he's the only one who can save you on a truly spiritual and eternal level. So I thought that was really cool. I mean, got right to the heart of it. We should be implementing biblical economic laws, and socioeconomic laws because we will shine as a light to the nations around us. <clears throat> and yeah, even even though the outcome even even though the immediate outcome may not show that it's working because we look at Joseph, right? Mm. His outcome it looks like he was following God. Yeah. He was doing what he was <clears throat> supposed to and it wasn't working out for him. <laughs> but, Seemingly. but we find in the end where it says God, you meant it for evil, but mm. God meant it for good. Yep. It, the the immediate outcome does not change our position. Yes. Because ultimately, we're future oriented. I, right. 
Right. Yep. Ultimately, it will either work out for our good, or it even ultimately it won't even necessarily work out for our good, but it will mm. work out for God's glory. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So let's get right into this. We've set this up. This was really good. We spent most of the time setting this up. And actually, since we spent the last two weeks talking about caring for the poor and poverty and all this stuff, I don't think this was a waste of time at all. I think this was a really good way to cap up all of that and further encourage you to go back and listen to, to our previous Wednesday episodes where we outlined all of that. But this is kind of the why, the motivation, the call, if you will, to implement biblical civil government, God's way, right? Let's talk about ways of caring for the poor. I mean, Gary Damar listed a ton of reasons. I'm only going to list a couple of them here just because he discussed so many and I didn't have time to get to all of them. Um, but I'd love to get your thoughts on both of these, both, both of you guys. So the first one is the tithe. And he said on page 401 that the tithe was not not left for the national Levites. And then you can look at Numbers 18.24 for that. Um, the tithe that was not left for the national Levites was returned to the local towns to be distributed by local leaders. This was to be done every third year to care for the Levite who had no inheritance, the orphan and the widow, according to Deuteronomy 14.29. In the New Testament, a national priesthood no longer exists. And he lists a ton of verses here. Hebrews 7.11. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. Uh... Also chapter 28, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, whole bunch of passages. <clears throat> so uh, the tithe is to be brought to the faithful elders of the local church to have them distribute a portion to those who are truly needy. And again, Acts chapter 4, verse 35 and 1 Corinthians 16, 2. So tons of biblical passages there. What do you guys think about anything to add uh, about the tithe? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it was, it was the way of... Helping the people in the church. Yeah. And and that was something Gary DeMarra was <clears throat> talking about even closer to the beginning. It, it may have... No, it, it was close to the beginning. I don't think it was the first chapter. But um, it talking about that we we should be tithing. So we, we can talk all day about this is what the church should be doing. And this is what the civil government should be doing but what does it really come down to we should be doing something mm, hey great what, segue into the next yeah. bit <laughs> yeah yeah what can what can we really do yeah and and gary demar was saying that we need to make sure that we're tithing mm. um as much as we're supposed to yeah and as much as we can and we're and we're pushing the church to be using that tithe the yes way it's to. you know he's talked before about um in a free market system not what we have now, which is crony capitalism, but in a truly free market capitalistic system, the companies that have the best quality, have the best prices, generally are going to do better than the companies that don't because you vote with your money in a way, right? Uh, in politics, you should be voting with your feet in a way, right? Like I hated the policies in Pennsylvania, couldn't stand the king, Governor Wolf, who thought he was a, you know, king self-appointed king and i moved here to south dakota to get out of all of that right to, to leave tyranny so i voted with my feet in a way same way in a private market right you can give your money to companies that are doing well and not give your money to companies that aren't doing well church tithing is the same way and we've discussed this in previous episodes gary demar has gone through this in chapters and i think this is kind of what you were hitting at as well jake is we should be tithing 
but we should be tithing to churches that are fulfilling their duty as churches, that are dis- discipling the nations, that are caring for the poor, that are instructing the body of Christ in all of scripture for all of life, right? We should be looking for those kinds of churches and giving money to those churches instead. So we vote that way. But, you know, you were also about to touch on private giving, which was Gary DeMar's point, actually. So I'll bring that up. Um, he said on page 401 that private giving goes beyond the tithe and is usually reserved for emergencies. When individuals or families need a, uh, I'm sorry, see a need among the people of God, it is their duty to try and meet it. Um, he listed tons of examples. I'm just going to list those out. Examples that he listed were uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 29, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, also all of chapter 37. He also listed the Good Samaritan, which is in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, and also all of chapter 37. And uh, a little bit of a quote that he mentioned about the Good Samaritan, which I thought was really interesting. He said, the Good Samaritan did not seek assistance from any governmental agency. Did you ever notice that? You know, when you're reading the story of the Good Samaritan, what did he not do? He didn't say, go down to your local courthouse and uh, fill out a paper for welfare check. <laughs> he didn't say, go and, and grab a bag of money from the civil government. Uh, that'll get you back on your feet, buddy. He said, no, he took the responsibility upon himself to take care of this person himself. That's what he did. That's our example here, right? Private giving. Um, Gary DeMar also discussed gleaning and lending, which were crazy huge topics that we don't have time to talk about, but check them out um, on pages 402 through 405. Um, I wish we had time to get to them, but uh, we unfortunately don't. So there's a couple other things I could say, but actually I think Jake has a topic um, that he'd like to kind of chat with us a little bit. So I'd, I'd kind of love to pass it over to you. There was a part of the book um, that you kind of studied specifically. So love to chat about that. And if we have some time, I'll go into just three more sections. So take it away. Yeah, so I I wanted to talk about uh, envy and its effects. This was a mm. point in the book where Gary DeMarco was talking about covetousness and envy and how that they are different. Yes, and he 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 want he was pointing out, and actually let me let me just go to the quote here. It'll it'll <laughs> explain it all. But um, it'll explain everything. But just to just to <laughs> set it up as a preface preface. Um, he's, he's talking about the difference between envy and covetousness. Hmm. And this is on page 407. And I quote, covetousness means to desire the possessions and privileges of others. Its effects upon an individual can lead him to theft or inactivity. Envy, however, is much more destructive. Hmm. And then he quotes, um, productive Christians in an age of guilt manipulators by Chilton. It's a good book. And he says, Envy is the feeling that someone else's having something is to blame for the fact that you do not have it. Mm. And then I have a more lengthier quote, which talks about, still talks about envy, and specifically envy as it relates to the poor. Mm. Or, or envy, sorry, envy as it relates to the rich, and how um, the poor will envy the rich. And, and this is, again, on page 407, and I quote, Instead of attempting to follow godly patterns of prosperity as outlined in scripture, the envious individual seeks to destroy the resources of the productive. And then he quotes Genesis 26, 26, 12. Now Isaac sowed in that land 
and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich, and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds in, great household, in a great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Mm. Now all the wells of which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. Wow. And, and there we see how the Philistines became envious. Yep. And instead of pushing that envy down and, and being content with what they have, and, and the reason this is envy is because of the, the destructive nature of it, how they actually destroyed part of his property. Mm. His Ven wealth. Vengeful, yeah. Mm -hmm. They feel like they're owed that same wealth. And they yeah. want that wealth, and they're gonna they're gonna take it. You know, like I deserve that. Yeah, it's one, one yeah. step past covetousness, which is just wanting it. Oh man, I I really want that. Wow, I want what he has. No, this is I deserve what he has. That should be mine. I'm gonna take it. That's jealousy. You know, like <laughs> acting on and, that. And Gary Demar <clears throat> wanted uh, pointed out that it's. It's not necessarily the the taking of the item itself, but mm. seeking to destroy the person who has the item. Mm. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yep. And in this, this is, and I mean, your your point is valid too. What what you're saying is 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 true, and that leads me into my next quote found on page four four oh eight, where Gary Demar is talking about socialism and communism. He said he says. Socialism and communism work on the same principle of envy. Mm. The rich are blamed for the plight of the poor. Yep. Awesome. And then he moves on to the next section talking about the job of the poor. And, and steps that the poor can take. And rules, basically, that the poor needs to understand. Mm. And... I'm, and there are seven of them. I'm going to go through all seven really quickly. These are very short uh, quotes, so I'll just continue through them. Uh, on page 408, he says, First, the poor must understand that being wealthy is not evil in and of itself. God gives his people the power to make wealth. And uh, we can look at Deuteronomy 8, 18 and Genesis 26, 12 through 13. Yep. He moves on on page 409 to say, Second, the poor must be evangelized like every other segment of society. No individual can fully understand the implications of the word of God on family life, work, the elimination of debt, responsibility, theft, and saving without a new mind. Mm. Yeah. He goes on to the third. <coughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was oh, just going to say this this was this was really really good. We are running out of time, but yeah, if you've got a short quote just to kind of wrap up this topic, which is fantastic, that that would be that would be great. Yeah, so there are multiple other uh quotes talking about the different uh other steps, but I can I can just list out all the the verses. Cool. Um so one point that I did want to make, and I won't go into the quote, but he talks about it on his fifth point, <clears throat> saying that, and this is taken from Proverbs thirteen twenty two, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Mm. And he's saying that the 
the righteous should not be envious of the wicked. Even though the envious seem to have a lot, they, us as the righteous shouldn't be envious because in the end, it is stored up for us. Mm. Right? Wow. That's so really interesting. I think, I think that's an amazing point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I just want to list three things really, really quickly. We are going to go like maybe three to four minutes over our usual time slot. But I figure, you know, this is a this is our last week with this book. So it's okay if we go a little bit over. And I want to get some of Joe's thoughts over there as well. I've been a little quiet. So I really can't wait to hear from you as well. Um, but I, three things that I wanted to talk about. It's, it's one topic, three subtopics. Um, I want to talk about other people groups who benefit from biblical poor laws. Okay. Gary DeMar listed three of them. And he said the stranger, widows and orphans, and um, why is my, oh, no, actually it's it's the same thing. I listed it <laughs> twice in my notes, but it's actually two of them, but there's a little bit more to widows and orphans as well. So the stranger and widow and orphans, widows and orphans. So uh, for the stranger on page 405, Gary DeMar said, the Bible tells us God loves the stranger. God shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. <clears throat> so show your love for the alien for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. And that's taken from Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 18 through 19 aliens and strangers, immigrants. When we say aliens, we're saying immigrants are usually without family ties and immediate job opportunities. While the Bible places basic economic responsibilities on families, 1 Timothy 5, 8, the alien usually cannot rely upon such resources. Christians then become the family for these immigrants, supplying their temporary needs, end quote. So there's a lot there. We don't have time to get into it now, but it was fascinating. If you have the book, go to page 405 and look into this more. I think more people need to understand that Christians aren't saying just you know, handle it on your own. Good luck. Get out there. You know, God has very specific, a very specific framework to take care of these people. <clears throat> I think oftentimes we're accused of not wanting to take care of the poor because we're not okay with uh, welfare, for instance, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, there are very specific ways. So many of these things are accounted for in scripture. We just need to know what the Bible says about them. All right. Let me talk about widows and orphans. On page 406, Gary DeMar said, Scripture puts the widow and orphan in the same category with the stranger. And then he quotes Exodus 22, 21 through 22, uh, and then also Deuteronomy 27, 19. And it says, And you shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him. You shall not afflict any widow or orphaned, and cursed is he who distorts the justice due an alien, orphaned, and widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. The family, as uh, as has been pointed out, is the primary provider. When, however, there are no family members to provide for the destitute, the Church of Jesus Christ must assume the responsibility. So I thought that was really interesting. And uh, with that, um, I think we're about <laughs> we're actually not that far over time, which is good. <laughs> so, Jake, thanks so much for looking you into that. Joe, was there? Me anything that you would like to add before we wrap up today yes and i found this quote on page 398 and and i, I figured this is the best way to end this show today is the answer to a problem of poverty poverty is not to have civil government solve it through its many welfare programs if history shows us anything it is that governments increase the effects of poverty mm. civil um 
Genesis 47, 13, yes. 19, and, and then 1 Samuel 8. Civil governments continue to enact a greater portion of our income uh, through taxation to fund social programs that do not work over the long run. Mm. God placed the responsibility to care for the really poor with each individual, family, church, and other um, in and those institutions voluntarily supported by our tithes and our gifts. And it's one of the things that I um, <clears throat> have a passion for is mm. we need to get rid of welfare before we can fix anything else, really. Because welfare is what gets people on poverty. Because they're like, oh, if government gives us a check. Hey, I don't need to work for a check. <laughs> it, yeah. it provides a way for poverty and a way for laziness. And as we have seen, even in um, farmers, farmers weren't allowed to glean everything from their, their crops. They were supposed to leave what mm. was laying on the ground for the those who were poor yeah. so that they can pick up what was um, on the ground to feed those who are poor. Yeah, yep. Ru- yeah. Ruth is a very good um, book for, for that example. Oh, interesting. Very At cool. least I think. Yeah, yeah. Dude, awesome. Uh, that was actually a quote that I wanted to include as well. So I'm really glad you brought that up. I didn't have a chance to do that. So really, really cool. Yeah, good uh, good find there. Yes, and um, with that, thanks Jake and Joe for helping get through volume two of Gary DeMar's book, God and Government. So next week, we're starting our brand new book. And if you'd like to know what that is before next week, so you can order a copy before our next Monday, or I'm sorry, Wednesday episode. <laughs> so you got a while. Uh, go to trdshow.net, follow us on Getter and Gab. Again, Gab, you can go to gabtv slash, or I'm sorry, gab.com slash trdshow. Uh, that's up on screen. You can also go to Getter, and uh, I think it's at trdshow on Getter. So check us out there. We're on all sorts of places. Also send us an email at trdshow at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And until then, we'll see you on Friday. Thanks so much. And remember, everyone, in all that you do, do as unto the Lord.